Well Within Reach is brought to you by Riverside MyChart, your simple, secure, and confidential online health connection. With just a click, Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your doctor sees. You can request prescription refills, pay your bills, schedule your next appointment, and more. Manage your care from your laptop, tablet, or phone. Whether for yourself, your kids, or the grandparents, MyChart makes your busy life just a little easier. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. Just another way to stay well connected from Riverside Healthcare. This is Carl Maronich. Today we will be asking the question, why is sleep so important? For the answer, we'll be chatting with Kathleen Gallagher, manager of the Riverside Sleep Institute. We'll be talking all things sleep, so stay awake and join us. Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. And we are joined by Kathleen Gallagher. Kathleen is the manager of the Riverside Sleep Disorder Institute. Kathleen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Carl. You are very welcome. And this is Sleep Month. It is. Uh, March is Sleep Month. And so we thought it was a good time to talk to you about I was going to say everybody's favorite thing. I don't know if it's everybody's favorite thing. It's one of my top three, at least. Food is up there, too. But sleep, people, uh, you know, it's fun to sleep, sleep well, but not just fun. It's important to get good sleep. And those are the things we're going to focus on, why it's so important and all those kind of things. But let's start with that basic question. Why is sleep so important? Well, the jury's still out as to why we officially sleep. We know we need it. It's as important as eating, drinking, and breathing. Um, there are some studies that show that it has to do with our tissue regeneration, cell regrowth. Um, definitely a lot of uh, human growth hormone in the younger generations, so we worry about them getting adequate sleep and getting enough of that. There are some studies that are um, showing that we actually can retain some things that are taught to us during certain stage, stage, um, stages of sleep where we can retain you know, they say you can learn while you're sleeping. Yeah. yeah. So when I fell asleep in class, that wasn't such a bad thing. Right, I could be learning exactly. while I was True. sleeping. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, so obviously for a lot of different reasons, sleep is important to our health. I know one thing that I've heard is that it helps in weight loss. If, you, if you're not getting good sleep, that can affect your weight, which can affect a lot of other things. Certainly. Definitely. Um, if you're not getting good sleep, certainly can contribute to weight gain. Um, a lot of that actually gets wrapped up into when we talk about obstructive sleep apnea mm -hmm. um, and children and um, younger generations, we have issues with their sleep too and weight gain. Yeah. Um, a lot of prevalence of diabetes in younger generation and lending itself to weight gain, um, especially with what's out there for kids to eat these days, parents yeah. on the run. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little about age and how it relates to sleep and what kind of sleep is required for people of different ages. Well, you know, little babies, they start out with the most amount of sleep because they pretty much just get up to eat and go back yeah. to bed. So Sounds like a nice life. It is a nice sleep life. Sleep and eat. So up until about a few months of age, they're sleeping about 18 um, hours a day. We worry about our child um, children age group, especially when they're going to school, getting adequate sleep. So when we're about three to five years, we're looking at 11 to 13 hours of sleep. We're hoping they're taking naps as well as getting a good night's sleep. As we get into our adolescent years, <clears throat> especially those teenagers, we really want them to get a good eight and a half to nine and a half hours of sleep. Mm, yeah. There have been studies that show that there is um, delayed sleep phase in teenagers, so they were trying to push for schools to start later 
in the morning so that kids can get adequate mm, sleep because yeah. they're the hardest to get up in the morning. Right, yeah. And then as adults, we'd like to get seven to nine hours of sleep. And I can tell you there's probably many people out there who are not fitting that bill at all. Yeah, for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can talk about some of that. But back to kids, um, you know, that you, you mentioned all the different numbers at kind of the different stages. It, it seems nowadays that, that there are challenges be, because of the electronics that kids and, exactly. and they're, that, that um, you know, it's, it's not so easy to say just go to bed and kids just, just go to bed. It was never that easy, probably. You know, when my kids were little, it was always a struggle before all the technology even. But it, it has that trouble has to be compounded, I would guess, the these days, and I'm sure you're seeing that in, in the Institute. Oh, certainly. Heck, we've had kids come in for sleep studies with all their electronics and thinking they can stay up on them all night long, and you really need the parents to kind of set limits. I remember I used to take my kids' phones away before they went to bed so they mm. weren't on them. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of technology, and a lot of kids have their own TVs in their rooms, little games to play, so oh. it doesn't lend itself for kids to get good sleep at all. Yeah, it's not, you're not clearing the mind for right. a good, healthy sleep if exactly. you've got all that going on. And so let's talk about, you mentioned the sleep study. Uh, so kids are, are candidates for, for sleep studies. Sure they are. Um, we're developing our sleep program for children, so as soon as we get that up and running, we're going to be doing another one of these podcasts, Carl. Oh, so very we can good. Talk very a little good. bit more about that, yeah. but definitely kids are a good candidate for it, especially when they're younger. Um, sometimes there's large tonsils and adenoids that play a role in why they're not getting good sleep. Um, sometimes they come in and it's really just about limit setting, and we'll see that clearly it's an issue with them not getting adequate sleep because they're up playing games and on their videos. Right. Right. So it may not be a physical issue. It's more of a behavioral kind of thing. It is. And then we also see kids, another thing that's pretty um, prevalent are kids that will say, you know, they're, they're, their muscles hurt, my legs hurt. And a lot of parents say it's okay, it's growing, growing pains. pains yeah. But really, there are um, they come in and they have a sleep study and you can see that their legs are moving during the night. And sometimes those leg movements cause their brain to have arousals throughout the night. Mm. And of course, it would lend themselves to be sleepy. Yeah. So once you're aware of those things, they can be addressed as they need to. Right. Uh, so as we age, you know, we were talking about kids, but now adults, um, you know, a lot of reasons, again, the technology, a lot of adults probably are, are guilty of those same kinds of things from back in the day when it was cool to have a TV in your bedroom when that first started to all the different technology that is there now. But the same thing applies even though, even from kids, if you have to have a good sleep environment, I would guess to get quality sleep. Definitely good sleep environment to get quality sleep. Ideally, they say you shouldn't even have a TV in your bedroom. Oh. Your um, bedroom just should be for sleep um, and and sex, honestly. That's what they say. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so you'd like your room to be cool. That could be another podcast, yeah, but we'll, we'll just keep talking about, about sleep. Later, we'll talk but, about sleep. Um, we will just stick to a nice, calm, quiet room. Um, hopefully it's dark because mm-hmm. if you're sleeping in a room that has a quite a bit of daylight coming through, you're not going to have real good restorative sleep as yeah. you would if it was dark. Yeah. Um, so you'd like a nice, cool environment. So you have that, but you still go through the day and you're tired. You're just not, you feel like you're tired. You're not, um, and a lot of that I'm sure traced back to, to lack of sleep. If, if somebody's feeling that is, is going to their primary care doctor kind of the first thing they should do? Is that, is that how they'll eventually end up getting a sleep study if they need it? Yes. They need to have a conversation with their physician about how they're sleeping. I would say most of our physicians have been really great about asking patients about their quality of sleep. Um, there's sleepiness, scales and questionnaires out there that we can ask our patients to see how they're doing. Um, it's very rare that people are getting, like I said, eight, a good eight and a half hours of sleep at night. So they could be sleepy just because A, they're not getting enough sleep or 
what's going on with them while they're sleeping. Yeah. And, and one of the big culprits of, of robbing you of good sleep is sleep apnea. Yes. Talk a little bit about exactly what that is. Sleep apnea is the is the recurring of your upper airway closing at night. Um, generally, it's your tongue that falls back and gets in the way, way of your airflow. So um, when I talk to my patients, I'll ask which sleep position they're sleeping in. If they're sleeping on their back, that's generally your worst place to sleep for that to happen because gravity on the airway will pull your tongue back. Um, you're better off sleeping on your side or your belly for that reason. But what apnea does over time is it causes the heart to work faster because there's decrease in oxygenation throughout your blood. Mm, so okay. when I do tests on patients, one of the things we are watching is, you know, their how they're breathing and their, their oxygenation in their blood, their EKG, so we can have a good idea what's going on with them when they're sleeping. Yeah. What's the relation to apnea and snoring? Well, snoring is an upper airway resistance as well. So when you look at the airway, if your airway was a clear, open path, that's just your normal open airway. As it starts to um, get a little narrowing, you can have snoring. Mm -hmm. um, and then as it progresses, you can have um, decreased breathing, which we call hypopnea. As we always talk about apneas as a general term where you yeah. actually stop breathing. But there's something called underbreathing, which are hypopnea as we see quite frequently as well. So we hear patients come in always say that my wife says she, you know, hears me stop breathing. I say wife because it's usually the men who get apnea before the women do. Okay. Um, and then hypopnea is a little bit harder to detect because it's just a decrease in flow. Okay. But either one, mm -hmm. hypopneas or apneas will cause usually a decrease in oxygenation that we'll see on the pulse oximeter the patient's wearing yeah. at night. So does that then translate to, to a poor quality of sleep yes. and less restful sleep? Yes, because every time you are having usually an apnea or hypopnea, it's your arousals and your brain activity that we see at the end of that event. Okay. So that's preventing quality sleep, which is going to result in being more tired exactly. during the day and all that. Now, let me ask this. If somebody's a loud snorer, does that directly indicate they've got either apnea or the other one that you said? Hypopnea? Yeah. Not necessarily. You could just be a loud snorer and you might not have apnea at all. Yeah. However, the loud snorer could be preventing their bed partner, if they have one, from getting good sleep as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Or that's the diplomatic people. term, bed partner. Yes, okay, exactly. Yeah, Heck, other people in the house too. If your kids can be sleeping yeah. down the hall, can be complaining yeah. about their... Yeah. And you mentioned most often in men, but not only women snore too. Yes, and, they do. And there's, there are those issues with women. We always laugh. It's not ladylike for women to snore. Yeah, but it does. But as women age, yeah. um, definitely when they hit menopause, all bets are off. Women are at the same playing field as yeah. men because those hormones of estrogen and progesterone actually protect the muscle tone of the upper airway. Mm. So once they're gone, yeah. it lends itself to more could, snoring could and apnea. Trouble. I see. You have apnea. What, what are the, the, how do they treat it? How well, do you treat it? How is it treated? How is it treated? It's treated, the gold standard would be with a CPAP machine. CPAP machines have come a long way. They used to be probably loud and cumbersome back in the day, but now they're these quiet little machines. Um, it works much like a fan, takes room air at a pressure, and as you inhale, it helps to stent that, that airway open. Mm -hmm. um, lots of different masks out there. I know people think of CPAP and they think of some Darth Vader mask they have to wear, but yeah. it's really not like that. Mm -hmm. um, patients pretty much choose what feels most comfortable for them during the night, and it could be a little nasal pillow mask. And if they're more comfortable wearing a full face mask, that's great. Mm -hmm. And then the pressure gets adjusted 
um, throughout the night to eliminate any apneas from happening. Yeah. And so they they work with their, and is this their primary care provider that, that they see about that or is there, is there somebody else that they see? So they would actually, when they, when they first complain about their sleep issues, they would go talk to their doctor, right. get a referral for them to have a sleep study done. Based on what happens the first night of their study, either we can do it all in one night. If they're significant enough for having apnea, we can treat it the same night. If not, they come back for a second part, which is the treatment part where they'd be wearing a CPAP. I see. They get fitted for that yes. and all the, yep. all the instruction. And it, it, once you're wearing a CPAP, it, does that will you be wearing that forever? Or is it something that, that goes away at some point, the apnea? Um, good question. If somebody, sometimes it's driven by weight. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you lose weight, you can uh, not wear CPAP. Sometimes it's positional. So if you decide, you know what, maybe this isn't for me and I don't have this issue on my side like I do on my back, there's positional devices that you can wear to keep you from getting on your back. Oh. I had a patient one time, I swear his wife fitted two concrete blocks that he slept between just so he would not sleep on his back. Hey, whatever (laughs) works. It sounds extreme. It does. Sometimes it's the anatomy of your upper airway. Um, It could be, maybe you need to have your tonsils removed. Maybe Mm. you need to have your adenoids um, removed to open up that airway some more to help you sleep better. You mentioned um, menopause and and that affecting. What about pregnancy in women? Is that, is that, is there sleep related issues to pregnancy? Yes, there are. So we, <laughs> there's increased um, blood volume throughout the mom when okay. she's pregnant. Um, that increased blood volume um, can actually cause upper res- upper airway resistance as there's more swelling and edema mm, in the sure. upper airway. So moms tend to snore a little bit more than mm. they had if they weren't. Okay. Some are already snorers to begin with and then pile on extra weight from having a you know being pregnant right. can also possibly lend itself to having apnea yeah. on top of that snoring. Yeah. So there are studies that are showing that if there is some snoring or apnea during pregnancy, it might be something to take a little closer look at. There's some adverse outcomes that they've noticed um, if it doesn't get treated. Yeah. Possible um, gestational hypertension, diabetes, yeah. um, low birth weight, more yeah. C-section. Some of that mm. stuff can be averted if some of this is yeah. treated during the pregnancy. So if a pregnant woman is not is not feeling well rested, and probably a lot of pregnant women don't feel well right. rested, but but maybe something they want to speak to their doctor about is a is a sleep study right for them. Right, and that pregnant population is not something we currently see in the sleep center. Yeah. Um, uh, we've had over a hundred years experience among you know my techs and myself, and maybe we've seen just a couple of pregnant people. Because oh, really? you're right, when there is higher progesterone within. A, pregnant mom, she is more sleepy. So they just yeah. kind of attribute it to you're tired, but yeah. really need to be taking a different look at yeah. our pregnant population and see if there's some other way or something that needs to be done yeah. to help. Good advice there. I, I didn't start with what I usually do and that's ask how you got into this kind of work. <laughs> how did you get into sleep, sleep work? Sleep work. Well, I've been in healthcare pretty much all my life and I used to actually work in surgery back in the day and worked in the birth center and for regional Oregon Bank of Illinois, which is now Gift of Hope, and then stayed home and had my own family. Ah. And when I wanted to go back in the medical field, somebody had told me I had been out of it too long, which I find out is really not the case. No. But sleep medicine was the next big thing. So mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to learn that. And oh, very good. So back in 07, I learned 
sleep medicine. It's been great. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to it, obviously, as we've learned today, and it has a lot of impact on other aspects of somebody's health. So it's an important thing. It is very important. Yeah. It I'm affects gonna, all parts of your yes. life. And I'm going to think about that tonight when I put my head on the pillow and hopefully get some good quality sleep. I hope so. Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.